Hey, welcome into another edition of the College 12-Pack, your second six-pack of the week. Uh, as as always with me, Tyler Natuno of LSU Tigers Wire. I am Patrick Con, your host, senior editor of the College Wires. Now, Tyler, much like last week, we have a conference matchup that's kind of kicking things off for us. College game day in Seattle, Washington for the Oregon-Washington showdown. You know, number eight in the league. Oregon versus number seven, Washington. Top 10 matchup. This has all the makings of a fantastic showdown and not the first time that these two teams have faced off with college game day in town. It happened once before. I'm looking at my notes here. In 2013, Oregon actually beat Washington in Seattle as the feature game on college game day. It's interesting. I don't know. There was a quarterback. You might have heard of him. Marcus Mariota was the quarterback for the Ducks on that day. Uh, just Tyler, looking at this initially, I know you've been a big Washington guy this year, a big Michael Penix Jr. How do you expect this game to go, and is it going to be similar to last year where three points separate these two teams? I mean, I think it very easily could be that kind of game. I mean, look, I have been really high on Washington, but I'll also be honest in saying that they've had, you know, played a seven point game against Arizona, you know, so like, and gave up a lot of points against Cal too. So I'm not like, you know, fully sold on them at this point. I think this is their first real test for sure. I think probably also the first real test for Oregon. I don't think uh, Colorado is anything like this team, but you know, I mean, I think, I mean, we'll see what happens, you know, maybe if USC gets a decisive win over Notre Dame, that's not going to be the case. But I mean, to me, I would say the winner of this game is going to emerge as the PAC 12 favorite. And I think, I might be willing to go as far as saying the winning quarterback from this game, assuming they play pretty well in a win, uh, will emerge as the Heisman favorite, actually, I would think. So, uh, yeah, I think a really high-stakes game, one of the biggest games of the early season, I think, that we've seen. And I think it's really interesting. You know, I mean, like I've said, you know, this Washington offense is absolutely, absolutely insane. You know, the way they hit on explosive plays. Michael Penix is maybe the best deep ball thrower in the entire country. Um, He's incredible at that. And they've got the receiving talent to make it work. You know, Romo Dunze is kind of the most well-known, biggest NFL prospect of that group. But they've got, you know, four legitimately good receivers that make plays and have solid production on the year. Um, so, you know, that's a really loaded offense. We'll say, you know, dealing with some injuries, uh, particularly on the offensive line, I believe their starting center is out for the year. That's a little bit concerning to me against an Oregon front that I think is really good. You know, I think Dan Lanning not surprising given his background, but I think he's kind of really made that program in the image of, you know, a West coast sec kind of thing. So, you know, I think they're really built well up front on defense. And I think that's a concern for Washington. Um, You know, I just, I I wonder, you know, that could potentially make the difference. I still would kind of bank on Washington hitting enough big plays on them though, because I I don't think it's Colorado was even close to that. So I think it's going to be a big test for this defense. I I probably lean towards Washington, but I think it's going to be a really close game. One thing I will say, what I think and what I know, what I think is this is, you know, the, I want to uh, kind of piggyback off your point. First real test for Oregon. I don't think so because I think Texas Tech gave them a real test in that game, and I'm not saying that as a homer. They they gave them a tough test, and it, that came down to the final minutes in that game. Uh, for Washington, absolutely, I think this is their first real test. If you look at, at their schedule, and we'll see how they look down the line. Uh, one thing I know is I, 
I know that these two teams are going to put together quite the game. I, I believe these two teams are definitely going to have another shootout similar to last year. And it's which defense do I trust more in this game to make a stop when needed? Uh, I'm really looking at at Oregon. I think, you know, if you look at both teams, I feel a lot more confident on the defensive side of the ball. Despite the fact, you know, Washington has looked good at times defensively. And then, like you said, the, the Cal game, giving up 32 points to that team uh, was kind of a head scratcher. And it makes me really wonder if they can slow down an Oregon offense, you know, with Bo Nix and Bucky Irving and Troy Franklin and some of the weapons that they have. I don't know that they do. So I, I'm just going to go out here. I'm going to say Oregon wins this football game by a margin of at least three points. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, you know, I could totally see that. And I think that was a valid point about Texas tech. You know, I think it's kind of easy to forget that game. I think tech is probably a better team than its record shows. You know, I think beating down on Baylor on the road kind of shows that. Um, But, you know, I think in that game, the way I look at it is kind of like, you know, it was a close game. It was a tough game for Oregon. Also, though, it was, you know, early season road game. And I kind of just lean towards the the more recent results for Oregon in which they've looked like a much better team. I mean, I could totally see Oregon winning this game. I guess I just I, I truly don't know if anyone can slow Washington down, because even in the Arizona game when they scored, you know, 31 points, which might be a season low for them, I think, uh, which is pretty insane if true. You know, they still were productive. You know, Michael Penix threw for a ton of yards in that game. They just weren't able to score. You know, he didn't – I don't think he had a touchdown pass. So, uh, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see. I just truly don't know if anyone can slow Washington down. Well, the big thing is going to be turnovers. For me, if Washington's going to win this game, they've got to turn over an Oregon team who has one turnover on the season. It happened in the game against Colorado when Bo Nix threw an interception. That's it. Uh, you know, they're, they're tied with Penn State for the lowest number of turnovers this season. So I think if they're going to beat Oregon, because I think Oregon kill blow for blow with Bo Nix running that offense, it's going to boil down to one thing. Can they force the Ducks to turn the football over? You've already mentioned that game, and now we're going to get into it. USC Notre Dame, game featuring a team that can't stop anybody. I'm talking about USC who's given up 40-plus points. In back-to-back conference games, he's given up 40 uh, or a total of 37, uh, average of 37 points per game in the last three games. They can't stop anybody. Lincoln Riley is rolling with his guy, though. He is sticking up for Alex Grinch, thinks that they can really turn it around in the second half defensively, which is shocking that we're talking about a, a US, USC team who, by the way people talk about him, you think 4-2, and two, not 6-0. and oh undefeated on the season. They're going to be as a Notre Dame, Notre Dame team who just wants to get the taste out of last week out of their mouth, turn the ball over five times, lose to Louisville. Uh, that's going to be a tough, tough way to to lose a game. And now they get an opportunity against a defense that has proven they can't stop anybody. So which unit looks better, the Notre Dame offense this week or is it that USC defense that needs something good to go their way? Yeah, I mean, that's the question of the hour, isn't it? I mean, like, I feel like this kind of feels like it's a must-win game for Marcus Freeman, which probably isn't fair considering, you know, you're going up against Caleb Williams on the other side and, you know, they've had such a brutal start to the season. But at the end of the day, you know, they've dropped a couple winnable games. You know, the Duke game could have easily gone the other way. 
if you lose this game and fall to three and three, that's a pretty disappointing uh, start to what I think most people thought was going to be a really good season for Notre Dame. And it still could be, you know, cause that, you know, it's, it's a front loaded schedule, so it still could be, but I, I think the, the dialogue is going to change quite a bit around Marcus Freeman if they can't win this game. And I think they honestly have a really good chance to, you know, I think what we saw from Sam Hartman last week was uh, just uncharacteristic, to be honest. He's been really just good early, you know, so far this season, good at taking care of the football, not making mistakes. He made all sorts of mistakes in that game. It feels really unlikely to me. He'll make those kind of mistakes again, especially at home. You know, that was a fired up Louisville crowd. I mean, that was, you know, on the road, first big home game under under Jeff Brom. They really were fired up for that game. This is going to be a very different sort of, I guess, vibe in this game. And I think that, you know, Sam Hartman will be able to move the ball on this USC team. I mean, worse offenses than this Notre Dame one have. And I think uh, Notre Dame's offense is pretty well-rounded. You know, I think they're good up front. I think they run the ball pretty well. So I think they could really do a lot of damage here. And I'm also really looking at the Notre Dame defense, which I think is honestly pretty good. Um, you know, they've given up, they're giving up less than 300 yards a game right now, which isn't like, you know, stellar, but it's pretty good considering the quality of teams they've had to play to this point on the year. So I think that, you know, they could slow down Caleb. Will- I mean, we saw Caleb Williams slow down at least to a degree last week. I think you could see that maybe a little bit more. Um, so that's kind of the main thing I'm looking for. I think Notre Dame's maybe the more well-rounded team and they've got it at home. To be honest, I I mean, maybe I'm crazy, but I kind of just feel like Notre Dame's going to win this game. Yeah, no, I'm. you can see it both ways. You know, I think it's also interesting. Notre Dame is a little bit of a disadvantage of some other programs because they have those built-in easier games, right? But if you look at the last four games for Notre Dame, they've had to play Ohio State. They had to go to Duke. They had to go to Louisville. Now they're back home against Southern Cal. They have to go to Clemson and uh, finish up the season at Stanford. So, I mean, I feel like when you look at what they've kind of gone through, uh, they've done a pretty good job, all things considered. And I think what you said is the key. Defensively, they've looked good. Uh, 33 points last week to Louisville is the most that they've given up this year. Uh, I, I think they've done a really good job. But, yeah, the key is going to be slowing down. Uh, uh, Caleb Williams, and when I look at what Sam Hartman can do, uh, I think they can attack that defense. But here's the big key, I think, because if you look back at the game last week, Audric Estime was basically taken out of that game. And I think if he can get back to what he's been doing this year and running the football, I absolutely could see a Notre Dame win here uh, against the Trojans uh, at Notre Dame Stadium. Yeah, I mean, I think it's worth pointing out. It's hard to tell because it was their first real test of the year, um, and they kind of gave up a lot of points in week one, but that was kind of a weird game. But I think Louisville defensively might just be pretty good. Um, and by the way, I believe, could be wrong, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think wasn't, didn't they score a touchdown on a pick six in that game? So I, I don't think all 33 of those points were uh, offensive. I could be wrong. But but regardless, I think that, um, I think that you know, it, it's a good matchup for Notre Dame, really. I think this game being at home is huge. I think USC has been playing with fire a lot recently. I could totally see them come out in this game and look really good, but I'm just not sure they're built to win any other way than the way they have been. Oh, absolutely. No, I, I agree with you. I, I think that they are built that way. And um, I'm just looking at the, the game log from Louisville and I'm not seeing an interception return, but regardless still 
33 points, if you, you give that up, you still have a chance in college football, I think. You know, you see that more often than not. Uh, but still, the thing that they've got to limit in this game was the turnovers, and that's what plagued Sam Hartman that last game. Uh, defensively, I think that they can do some things. They've got to be able to get it at Caleb Williams. I think that's – and you got to really corral him, not allow him to use his legs because while he wasn't having the same impact last week, throwing the football for USC. He was still able to run the football, score some touchdowns that way. Uh, but this is going to be a really tough test, I think, for, for USC. Uh, and that is why, bold prediction, I have Notre Dame winning this by at least 10. Yeah, I mean, I, I have a hard time believing it's by that kind of margin just because I think USC will probably still be able to score relatively at will in this game. Uh, but, you know, I could definitely see it. And I, I feel pretty good about Notre Dame winning this game, honestly, especially, I think, given the stakes, given the way some games have sort of gone against them, this feels like a, a chance for them to kind of get a big win where people sort of circle back on Marcus Freeman. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that that's a solid, solid one there. But I, I just feel like USC's been playing with fire for the last couple of weeks, and this is the week I think that it finally gets them. Uh, and so that's why I'm going Notre Dame here. Uh, we're going to stay in. We're going to kind of go in the Pac-12 again here. Oregon State, UCLA, the other team in L.A. That's going to be going to the Big Ten next year. They've got a matchup with Oregon State. And Oregon State's a team that I, I can't make heads or tails of this team. One week I, I think I have a good grasp on them. And the next week they look completely different. Or DJU goes off for five touchdowns when I didn't think they had that kind of offensive firepower to begin with. But they're going up against a UCLA team who is really good defensively. So I just kind of, Tyler, I wanted your take on, on kind of how you feel and which way you might be leaning in this UCLA-Oregon State matchup. Yeah, I think it's a sneaky, really interesting uh, game in the Pac-12 this week. I think it's a really interesting, like, stylistic matchup particularly because – I mean, I, I really do worry about DJ in this game. I think this is a really good defense. You know, looking at what they did to Cam Ward last week, who had pretty much been unstoppable to start the season, goes up against UCLA and it does not go well. You know, even in their loss to Utah, which by the way was on the road where no one really plays particularly well at Utah, um, they still it was only 14 to 7. Their defense was fine in that game against an admittedly not very good uh or uh sorry, Utah team. But looking at Oregon State, I mean I think we have some questions about their offense. They've been sort of inconsistent. You know, I think that they run the ball pretty well. That's kind of the one thing they do pretty consistently well. But also UCLA's strength defensively is stopping the run. So they might put some pressure on DJU. And I think in games, especially at Clemson, but even this year too, I think we've seen when DJU's put under pressure in a tight game, it's a little iffy. You know, he kind of gets gets dicey there. So I, I, I think it's a very concerning sort of matchup there, you know, Oregon state defense has also been a little bit consistent. I think, um, you know, sorry, a little bit inconsistent, but I think it, it could be a better matchup, honestly, for UCLA. You know, they really struggled. Utah shut them down. True freshman quarterback and Dante Moore. That's a tough ask for him to go on the road and play well in that game against a lights out defense. I don't think Oregon state's quite that good. I think they're, they're solid, but I don't think they're quite that good. Moore's had a pretty good year overall. I think this is, he has a lot more success in this game. Yeah, and I would also say I think Carson Steele has a good uh, – will have something to say in this game, uh, determining which way it goes one way or the other. I like the path that Oregon State is going. I just don't know if they have enough to 
to bat, combat, you know, battle with a, a UCLA defense that has been really good this year, uh, despite having a, a freshman quarterback who has made his mistakes, but we don't expect a quarterback to come in his freshman year and, and just be solid and polished. Uh, you know, he's made his mistakes, but I think this UCLA team, talented enough to get the job done, uh, and I, I really like the Bruins in this game uh, against Oregon State. Yeah, fully agree. And I'm actually, this is going to be my bold prediction. Um, I'm going to say that, you know, Oregon State's, I believe, a three and a half point favorite at home here. I'm going to say UCLA goes on the road, not only gets the win, but holds Oregon State's offense to 17 points or less like they did last week in the win over Washington State. You know, that's not a bad pick. I think, I mean, obviously I'm picking UCLA, not a bold prediction uh, as as you were going, uh, but I do think uh, the UCLA does win this football game. Uh, now we're going to go out to the SEC as we talk about Texas A&M going on the road to play Tennessee. I believe is I believe it's, yeah it's at Tennessee. Uh, you know Texas A&M was a team that they had the lead against Alabama last week, had an opportunity to win that football game, uh, but the offense was shut down by the defense, and Jalen Milrow was able to find a way uh hit you know getting Jermaine Burton involved best game he's had this year I you know it's their A&M is another team where I think they had an opportunity uh but I think they've got to turn up that aggressive meter a little bit uh especially on offense if they expect to win some football games yeah, I'm, I'm concerned about Texas A&M in this game, and I think it's primarily because I, I don't love where the secondary's at right now. You know, we saw them give up a pretty big day to Miami. We saw them give up probably the best game of Jalen Milrose season so far. I, I don't love that going into a game against a Tennessee team that isn't quite as, you know, effective on like a down-to-down basis as they were with Hendon Hooker the last year and a half or so, but... I do think, you know, we've seen they're capable of hitting explosive plays. You know, Joe, Joe Milton has the arm to hit any throw in that playbook. And they really stress secondaries with the way they line up. It, it makes me nervous about, about Texas A&M in this game after the way they played last week. You know, I think that the one thing that I will say is I think we maybe are a little bit concerned about Tennessee's defense. You know, kind of hard to know what to make of it. They gave up a ton of yards on the ground to Florida and then, you know, in their next big game, they completely shut down South Carolina. So I, I don't really know what to make of that group. But I also know that, you know, AM is not really, a, a, you know, built to run the ball a ton this year. You know, they, they're kind of more lean on guys like Anaya Smith and Evan Stewart in the passing game. You know, even with Max Johnson, there hasn't really been a drop off there. I, I don't know if they're going to have that kind of success in this game. And I'm kind of afraid they're going to get torched defensively, to be honest with you. Yeah, that there's a lot of concerns. I think um, you know, I think they're not running the football in the way that you know we thought that they would, and uh, so that causes some concern. I don't think this is going to be like the 2020 game at all, uh, where where A and M was able to just run all over Texas uh, Tennessee as they did, uh, but this time around, I you know I I'm concerned like you with the secondary, uh, and this is kind of a, a prove it to me game for Tennessee. We saw what happened against Florida. We saw how different they looked uh, when they played South Carolina, a team that I know they wanted to be desperately because of what happened the year prior. Uh, so, but, but looking at what Tennessee can do offensively and what we've seen in the, in the recent weeks with 
the different going offense, defense. We don't know what, what which team's going to show up in this game, which team can be more consistent. And right now, I tend to lean Tennessee being the more consistent team uh, than I do just because I don't trust Jimbo Fisher and what he's got going on uh, down in Aggieland. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think, you know, I think Tennessee's offense has maybe gotten a little bit of a bad rep. You know, I, I still, despite what they <clears throat> what they allowed Kentucky to do on the ground, I still think Florida has one of the better defenses in the SEC. And I think they game plan Tennessee really well in that game. I think Tennessee's probably going to learn from that, um, you know, offensively. And I like the fact that this game is at home for Tennessee. You know, I expect pretty good atmosphere. Um, you know, I just, I think they're, to me, the team I have far fewer questions about right now, even though A&M has looked pretty good, you know, played Alabama pretty tough last week all in all. Let's not forget the fact that Tennessee has had two weeks to prepare for this football game. Uh, they haven't played since September 30th when they beat South Carolina 41-20, to a game in which they held Spencer Rattler to 169 yards passing. Uh, so when it comes to this game, Tennessee uh, is, is, for me, going to win this football game over A&M just because they've had the time to prepare and they saw exactly what, what Jalen Milrow was able to do. Uh, and I think Joe Milton can be a guy who can play a very similar style to for them throwing the football in, and let's be honest, I think Joe Milton obviously has the bigger arms. That's why I'm rolling with the balls this in this one. All right, Tyler, we're going to talk Miami, North Carolina. We're going ACC for a moment. Uh, this game is interesting. Miami coming off one of the most brutal losses. I mean, absolutely. Miami fumbled the bag, pun intended, uh, in their last game against Georgia Tech. Now they get to play a North Carolina offense by Drake May, who's coming off one of his best games of the season, just throwing for a ton of yards, ton of touchdowns. Miami better be ready to go blow for blow in this game because Drake May and this offense is ready to roll. Yeah, you know, I think on paper, you know, this is a pretty good matchup, like I think pretty evenly matched game, uh, you know, but – you know, in light of some recent events, that doesn't give me the utmost confidence in Mario Cristobal, you know, the, with the mistake last week and sort of just the way he's in general handled some late game coaching situations. But talking about the actual football, I mean, you know, I think that, uh, you know, I think UNC is going to score points offensively in this game. Like, I think that's kind of a given. Drake May is coming off probably his best game at, you know, of the year for sure, maybe of his career. Uh, looked really good and they held Syracuse to seven points, you know, kind of a Syracuse offense that we've talked about in the past, not like fantastic, but it's kind of plucky, you know, they can, they can make some things happen. They were really shut down, you know, sort of a little bit of optimism that maybe this unit, you know, under Gene Chizik coming along, it's, it lo certainly looks like it's better than it was last year. I think this is certainly a more complete team, you know, Miami, I don't know what to make of them because I don't know how they're going to respond from that loss last week. I mean, I still think they're a pretty good team. I mean, I think if you just look at the way they've played, I mean, that's a game they should have won last, uh, last week, you know, in spite of everything else. And, you know, even given the fact that after recovering the fumble, there was some controversy about, first of all, was he down on the fumble? Second of all, you know, was he, should he have been down on a slide going into the end zone? Regardless, I think Miami could still bounce back from that. I think it's to me just about, you know, will they, especially going on the road to play a pretty good team. And let's not forget, uh, now that he has been reinstated, Miami's defense is going to have to deal with uh, Devontae Walker, uh, who, who's now another weapon that 
Drake May is going to have in this game. But yeah, you're right. The the way that that game went down against Georgia Tech leaves me questioning a lot about Miami, uh, and, and maybe even has me questioning even more about A and M, considering how Miami was able to throttle them uh, in that game. But yeah, the, they're a team that like I know can put up points, but I have a lot of questions if they can do it consistently, especially against a North Carolina team with Drake May, who going into the season was one of the Heisman favorites. Uh, and he's done nothing to show that he can't be once again. It's about how efficient he is. Throws for a lot of yards, a lot of touchdowns, putting points on the board. And let's not forget this this team right here, North Carolina, has scored 40 or more points in three of their last four games. So that Miami defense is really going to be tested. Yeah, you know, I mean, when you look at – I mean, this is a tough stretch of games they're in. You know, after North Carolina, they got to play Clemson. They get that one at home, I believe. But, I mean, that is, you know, either, I guess, you know, look at it two ways. You know, one way it's an opportunity. You know, if you win one or especially both of those games, if you're Mario Cristobal, maybe people start forgetting about the way you lost that Georgia Tech game. But if you don't, you know, if you go on the road and really struggle this week and you lose to a Clemson team that probably not going to be ranked for that game, you know, coming off a bye this week. So, I I, I mean – that changes things significantly and that amplifies the way that Georgia tech game ended for Mario. So I think it's a big game, but this really just comes down to which team do I trust more? And I mean, North Carolina is the one that's playing much better right now and it's at home. Yep. So we're going with the Hills in this one. Okay. Final game that we're going to talk about this week. And this is a doozy just from the storyline aspect. We got West Virginia going to Houston. Neil Brown, the man who started the season with the hottest seat versus the man who probably has the hottest seat in college football right now, Dana Holgerson, Houston Cougars. You know, Tyler, when this game, when I saw this game on the schedule before the season, I thought this might be the week that Dana Holgerson sticks it to his old team one last time, beats them, forcing them to fire Neil Brown, but it might be the other way around considering how poorly this season is going for, for Dana Holgerson and the Cougars. Yeah. I mean, everything about this game just feels like it had to have been scripted. I mean, you, you couldn't make this up. I mean, coming into the year, I think we all thought Neil Brown was kind of a dead man walking, you know, in that job. It doesn't look like that at all anymore. They've had a really nice start to the year. And if you win this game, you're squarely in the big 12 race at the midpoint, uh, at the midpoint of the season, which is something that none of us thought was, was possible uh, versus a team in Houston that I, I don't think there was a ton of optimism about this year. I don't think anyone thought they were going to win the Big 12, but I think there was hope they would show more life than they have because they really haven't. You know, it, it's been a, it's been a tough go of it. And I mean, you know, Dana against his former team, the team he left, now their conference rivals. If he loses this game, I, I really can't see any way. I mean, I don't know if it's going to happen like Monday morning or you know, I guess they play Thursday night, so maybe it could happen even sooner. But I, I'm not saying that's going to happen that soon, but I think that it would be all but over at that point. I'm not sure there's anything that could really fundamentally turn the narrative around, uh, you know, at that point. And I think, you know, I think on the other end, I mean, I think he's pretty much guaranteed safe at this point, but I think if you win this game, Neil Brown is for sure good to go. Um, you know, they're, they're actually, you know, maybe they're showing some progress. Maybe they could actually be building something. So interesting to watch. Uh, I think, 
I don't know if West Virginia is the much better team here, but I think their defense is the best unit on the field uh, for either side. So I'll give them the edge there. If the Big 12 was to play a championship game right now, West Virginia would play Oklahoma based on their records, which I never thought I would say. Now, that being said, when I look at this, both of these offenses struggle. Uh, I mean, they're still scoring mid-20s, 26.4 for West Virginia, 27.4 for Houston. But when I look at this game, which defense is going to step up? And obviously, we're going to believe in West Virginia, who allows 19 points per game, uh, who who absolutely shut down Texas Tech when they played them. Uh, they've done a good job outside of every game except for Penn State, which Penn State is currently a top five team. So you're not really going to knock them for that being their only loss. You look at Houston losing to Rice, losing to Texas Tech in the manner that they did, uh, losing you know plenty of matchups. They've lost three of their first five games, and they really don't have an identity. Donovan Smith comes over from Texas Tech, and everybody thinks that he's going to be – he's just going to fill right in from where Clayton Toon was, and, and that hasn't been the case. Uh, they haven't been competitive. Uh, especially that Texas Tech game where they did absolutely nothing in the second half. I wonder how well this is going to go. But I, I, you know, my lock of the week is take the under in this game uh, because I really don't know that there's going to be a whole lot of offense in this game, mostly because I don't believe in the West Virginia offense and I don't believe Houston can score on West Virginia. Um, That's good. So that's my lock of the week, but I really think this is going to be a low scoring game. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a a pretty safe pick on both counts. I I just, I mean, like I said, I don't think anyone really expected the world of Dana Holgerson coming into this year. I think everyone knew it was going to be a bit of a tough transition, you know, losing Clayton tune, moving to the big 12. That's a lot, you know, to handle. I think we're seeing all these new teams, uh, you know, maybe with the exception of BYU, they look okay. But they're all, they all seem to be struggling quite a bit, um, you know, once we've gotten to, to Big 12 play. So, you know, I think that I just – the problem with Dana is you just hope they could have shown some sort of life. I mean, like you said, the Donovan Smith move hasn't been bad. I mean, they're not a bad team offensively, but it hasn't really elevated anything. It's certainly not as good as, you know, what it was last week. And I think you're just kind of seeing the, the week-to-week struggles of playing in the Power Five. It's tough. I, I just – don't know if Dana is what this program needs to be taking advantage of all the potential, you know, resources and advantages that it could have, you know, being a, a wealthy school, big school in Houston. I just, I think that they might use this as an opportunity to go get someone who could kind of build what other Texas FBS programs have done successfully in recent years. Uh, Yeah. Kenny out of Texas state might be a guy they might want to look at just seeing what he's doing there at Texas state since they've made the move up to FBS. Uh, I really like the way he's doing things, but but I agree with you. I, I don't know if Dana Holgerson's the answer, and it's just almost ironic, like we talked about how we laid it out. Everybody was talking about Neil Brown, but it might be Dana Holgerson uh, that is joining the unemployment line, especially if they lose this game and if they don't look competitive losing this game. That's going to be a really tough matchup. Uh, but that's going to do it for this edition of the College 12-Pack. For Tyler, I'm Patrick. We'll see you next week.